0: Does that help? Yeah, okay. So good, I have a microphone. Thank you, worship team. You were awesome. Uh, secondly, go Jags, right? You know, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but life seems like normal when football starts, right? It's, can't they just do that all year round? They do, but it's not as good. We are glad to have, if you're not in the house, if you're watching online, Maxine and Lavana are with us. Uh, since November I think I remembered but we're glad that you guys are healthy they have experienced so much in life and um, so many times said we just really want to be in church but we can't be there Uh, Beth is here and her mom yep thank you guys for being here been a while with sickness in life and so we're just glad that you you all are here and that you've chosen to worship with us today. Um, there can only be so much accomplished online, and uh, the Christian faith and church is intended to be a place where people commune together, come together uh, to experience each other and also worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Um, so... Today, we're gonna, I'm going to do this a little different. I'm, I want to tell you a story, but I want to read some scripture first. So I, I'm going to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 3, please. That's at the beginning of the Bible, Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3. It's a familiar passage that you've heard many, many times, but I'm going to tell a little story and talk about it. And and we're going to read Psalm 139 as well before we talk about it. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, Exodus chapter 3, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses! Moses, or in the movie, it was more like Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. See, you can wear flip flops at church. For the place you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering." Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And Moses, or God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. If saying all those names wasn't enough once, get to do it again. And a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders will go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians... With all the wonders that I will perform among them, and after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward his people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. I feel like praying after that, so let's pray. Father, um, help us to see how this applies to us. I mean, Lord, this is about Moses, and we're not Moses. So help us to see that you have placed a sacred call upon our lives as well, and that you've placed a sacred call upon this church that you have a future planned for all of us, and I thank you for that, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The passage that I had Brian pray, I'll reference in a little bit in terms of my own life and the call that God placed upon my life, but I want us to look at one other passage, Psalm 139, Psalm 139, we've referenced Psalm 139 to speak military language, Boku times, right? Don't you guys say that? 139. My father said it all the time. Psalm 139, again, familiar passage, but you're going to see how all this meshes together in a bit. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you lord know it completely isn't that scary you hand me in behind and before reminded us of what we said last week about god going before us and behind us and protecting us and you and you lay your hand upon me Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame's not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And then the complaint. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you With evil intent, your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Notice it doesn't say my neighbor's heart or my friend's heart or my husband or my wife's heart. No, my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as I was reflecting on these two passages personally, and I've been reflecting and, you know, I do that. Uh, Sometimes I kind of look back at my life and um, even at this age Uh, I I think about God's call on my life and what He's asked me to be and do. And and should I make changes? Should I make adjustments? Should I shift? Because with God, uh, the only thing in concrete is that we stand upon Him, the solid rock. Amen? But life is shifting and changing. Life is always moving. Life is always fluid with God. Because He uh, has plans and a special calling for all of us on our lives. Now, when I was sensing a call uh, to do ministry, I felt initially, when I got out of high school and I became a follower of Jesus when I was 18, that God just wanted me to be a teacher. You know, I was, and I started out to be an elementary school teacher. Some of you don't know that, but that was my first job. And then I ended up, I'm teaching high school, and uh, I taught middle school in the middle of that somewhere. Uh, I became a coach and all those kinds of things. And, and you know, as I was, uh, I led the Youth for Christ Club, and I coached girls basketball, track, cross country for guys and girls. And, uh, you know, I would pray before our games and our races, and I led that Youth for Christ Club before school started every morning. And, Um, I would give inspirational speeches to my runners. Now, an inspirational speech to a bunch of cross-country runners who are usually like very intellectual. To run long distance, you have to be really smart or really dumb, okay? Because it's painful, and they would train, my kids would train, Um, 60 70 miles a week i mean we had one guy that was an all-american and we we won district championships and all kinds of other stuff once we get in there so um i had some really really excellent athletes state champions all kinds of stuff like that um and but so you had to be really really smart to do this and and there's a lot of thinking involved and and stuff. So I would give them speeches. I can remember one time giving them a speech about a guy. Uh, I had three guys who were injured in my top five runners, and they were all like whining and moaning, and they didn't want to run. And so before uh, Friday in practice, before the race on Saturday, I, I gave a speech about a long distance runner who had run across Canada and he had no toes or fingers, okay? And he, he he was suffering in his running. And I got all worked up about that. And after that, team in unison said, Coach, you need to become a preacher. <laughs> because they went out there and they ran. And, and it was something. But the, I started hearing that more and more and more and more. And I was seeking what... God had laid on my heart for what my sacred call was. God gave Moses a sacred call. And you know the story that Moses resisted God. What if, you know, I'm not a good speaker and God provided his brother to speak for him and all the backs and the back and forth and the conversations that went on? But God said, look, I am calling you for a special purpose. And that special purpose is to set my people free and to lead them out of bondage. And I've recognized their bondage. And, and I, I want you to realize and see that God has not stopped issuing sacred calls to us as individuals. Not only do God's people need to be set free, but there are folks all around us who are in bondage that desperately need to be set free. And God will place upon each of us a sacred call individually and personally in terms of what He wants us to do and what the purpose of our lives is. But as a young man... And turn with me to Jeremiah. I, every time I say that, I, the phrase was a bullfrog pops in my head. i just aging myself. I don't know, man. Um, and go down to verse 19. Jeremiah 4, 19. So the NIV, it says this. Oh, my anguish. My anguish. I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent, for I have heard the sound of the trumpet and I have heard the battle cry. Now, those are pretty strong words, but when I read them, it was in the NIV, excuse me, the King James Version. And it had a little more powerful effect on me. You'll see why. (laughs) Jeremiah 4.19, King James Version. My bowels! (laughs) My bowels! (laughs) I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because Thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war and sometimes modern translations miss out on this idea that jeremiah is lamenting he's he's complaining about this call on his life this sacred call and yet he's saying you know bowels is his phrase to say in the depths of who i am You have placed a sacred call on my life, and I cannot keep my mouth shut. And I have to tell y'all that as a 28-year-old English teacher at Merritt Island High School, there was a compulsion for me to preach the Word. And it was a driving compulsion. When I came to Christ, I had a model that I saw preach every Sunday. His name was Adrian Rogers, and he was, right, the prince of preachers, right? And he, if you just, he's still preaching, he's gone to be with Jesus, but his sermons are still out there. Amazing preaching every Sunday, that deep, resonant voice and just the power. Um, similar to E.V. Hill, very inspirational. And, and I've always been motivated by inspirational preachers. I, I had a, a guy that I worked for, I was his assistant for a couple of years when I was in seminary. And I had to, in class, I had to go into, into the city and I had to visit some churches, New York City I'm talking about. And um, he said, I don't know why you do that. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'd, if I heard those guys preach, I'd get depressed. Not for me. If I hear somebody who can really preach, preach, it just lights me up. You know, when I'm around creative God-infused people. It just helps me to refine myself and to get vision and great joy to do what God has has called me to do. And preaching His Word, as I heard those role models, as as I saw what God was doing, and and there are other pastors too that I experienced, and and then I I came in into the Alliance. There was. That, so I knew my sacred call, part of it, was to preach His word. And so that's what I've done, and that's what I've been. And, uh, you know, I've tried to make it not boring, but more importantly, to be yielded to the Holy Spirit and sensitive to what God wants me to say and do. So that drives me. But what else drives me? So you all know, I say this verse all the time. Everybody's created, what? In the image of God and worthy of being treated with dignity and respect. That drives me. It it fuels me in my interactions with everyone that I interact with. I've told you all that many, many times. But that idea has morphed into this picture that I have with God, or of God, that he's, uh, excuse me for expressing it this way, but he's an old dude, you've heard me say this, driving around in a white 67 Chevy pickup, and he's picking up broken furniture by the side of the road. And God has given me that vision for the kind of ministry that I'm to have. And I got to tell you, I've been thinking back through the years in terms of when I when and when I would go into a church. Um, most of the churches that I've pastored, in fact, all of them except for one, were kind of broken and had lost their way. And and God uh, led me to to get a master's in counseling when. When i was younger because i wanted to be able to help folks in the church and i was leading worship in this little church that i was in and and doing youth ministry and stuff like that when i was teaching school and i just wanted to be able to serve people but that degree in counseling has given me some credibility and so there's always people coming for counseling broken people and so my church began to fill up with individuals who needed to be set free, and Jesus set them free. And my rule of thumb has always been, if you'll come to church, it's free, no charge for counseling. Amen? It's way, you know, and so we would do that, and people would come in and in and in, and I said that because I knew that the Word would be proclaimed, and God uses the proclamation of the Word to heal us as well. It's good to have somebody to talk to. I developed an idea about the kind of church that God wanted me to lead and it focused on four phrases. Uh, no ties, you know, no ties, meaning dress however you want to dress. If you wear a tie, it's okay, but... No lies, integrity in God's house. Uh, no walls just breaking down the walls and barriers between us and allowing to do that, just Jesus. And God has allowed me to minister like that and to serve like that. So, as an individual, God placed a sacred call upon my life. That's what I do who I am I've shared with a few of all of you that the doctor I've been going to who has a uh, when I had the kidney stone is an older guy like me and he said so you're not retired nope I'm not retired you're gonna retire nope not gonna retire I might change focus but I'm not gonna retire he goes um well I'm not gonna retire or, or either Everybody keeps telling me it's time to retire. I don't know what they mean by that. (laughs) But he he says, as long as I can still physically do this, I'm going to keep being the doctor that I am because it is my life. It is who I am. And so we had that resonating conversation with each other. Now... Do you know that as an individual, Psalm 39 applies to you? Everything we read in that Psalm applies to you, remember? Fearfully and wonderfully made, God knows, you can't get away from God, He's everywhere. And so as God had a sacred call for me and a plan and purpose for my life, So, God has a plan and purpose for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you were created and knit together in your mother's womb in the deep, deep places for a purpose and a plan. And immediately, your thoughts are, No, 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 preacher, you do not know my innermost thoughts. No, I don't know your innermost thoughts, but guess who does? God does. He still wants to use you. No, 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 no. God can't use me. I don't have any gifts or skills or abilities. And God's answer to Moses in and, and Psalm 139 is, whatever you need to do what I've called you to do, I will supply what you need to do. If I've called you to be, you will be because I have created you. I know everything about you. I know your inadequacies. I know your struggles. You know, in a natural sense, I don't know what it is, but when I was raised up in my home... Um, I get out of school, and even in school, I, th- I really kind of thought I could do just about anything, right? And I can remember when I got my first teaching job, and I had done internships and stuff and, and all, but I got my first, like, official job teaching third and fourth graders. And Mr. Stinson, who knew me from First Baptist Church, uh, and, and he was the principal, and I hung out with his son and stuff, and he, he knew me. Uh, and so he called me up. He said, Brian, um, one of my teachers uh, had major surgery, can't finish the year. And uh, uh, and by the way, I was teaching reading at a middle school for $1. sixty-two an hour. I know. It's true, though. And uh, he said, do you think you could teach a classroom of third and fourth? Uh, 3rd and 4th grade gifted students. I was a follower of Jesus and God had called me to teach, so what did I say? Yeah, I can do that. My natural man was like, I have no idea how to do this. But I knew that God had a plan and purpose for my life and that if He called me to be a teacher and this was this awesome opportunity that God would supply what was, was necessary. I had no reason to live my life in fear because God created me and gifted me and equipped me. And I'm not saying that to, to brag or to say that I was anything special or anything like that. No, it was just a sense of the reality of the sacred call of God on my life. What's your sacred call? What has God called you to be? What has God called you to do? No matter what your age is, God still is working in your life. You might not be able to do what you used to do, but god still wants to use you but we've got to stop viewing our lives in the sense of oh woe is me oh everything around is horrible oh no you know eeyore right from winnie the pooh you and i can be tigger hoo hoo Yes! God takes our natural inclinations and redeems them and flips them and turns them and infuses us with faith to be able to say, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. I know it with all my heart. So that leads us to the next perspective or idea or question. Question. And that is does our church have a sacred call does our church have a purpose does god have a plan for us as a church now let's remember what we've been we've been going through ephesians the last few weeks and ephesians has uh, been using the word "you" an awful lot, and so sometimes we make the "you" to 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 mean just us. You know, you are redeemed. Um, you you are, uh, but but then he says this in Ephesians: "You are a chosen what? Chosen people, chosen generation, chosen people." And then you get the idea that. We are a gathering of many different kinds of people because Jesus, Ephesians 2 tells us, has broken down the walls and the barriers that divide us. So why on earth would God call us out? Why would He, as in 2 Peter says, that we're a royal priesthood? Why would He give us the ability as believers to function as priests in our community, in the world that we live in, and to be a gathering of priests, of holy people in the sanctuary, why would he break down the walls and the barriers? Why would he say that we're a holy people, that we're a redeemed people? Why would he say in Second Corinthians that uh, we are a new creation and that he has given us a ministry of reconciliation... If he hasn't, not just as individuals, because as Americans, we individualize everything. When Paul is writing this, he's calling to us as a gathering of the redeemed ones, as a gathering of the children of God, as a gathering of those adopted into His kingdom and into His family, that as a gathering of people, we might come together and be a church that is unique and like no other. And the first call to us is to make disciples is to make disciples. And y'all, we don't need anyone else to do that. Because God will use you, you, these folks seated right here and listening online, to make disciples. And when we go about making disciples, then the church will increase. But you don't make disciples. One of the big problems in the church these days, is that we have all kinds of programs, okay, to do this and to do that, to do this. When God has, and and some of those programs are good, I understand that, but hopefully you'll get the point. Sometimes the programs become the mission instead of making disciples. And God has called us to make disciples And He's leading us to do that in a unique and wonderful way. And He will use us as we are. Well, not really as we are, because He will change us, right? He will uh, call us individually as you pray and as you read the Word. Ask God to tell you your role, your sacred call as an individual, and your sacred call uh, in the church Or in the community. Ask God. And as God reveals that to you. Then and when you start to argue with God. No God I can't do this because of that. Then uh, he will convince you of his own. I don't need to manipulate you. And he will also empower you. And equip you. To be the people of God. That he has called you to be. In a special. And a unique way. I know for me, in the context of my life, God led me to, uh, to Vicki, who, you know, is unique, amen, and awesome. She's mad at me right now, but, you know, to, to work together. But I met her before I ever sensed the call of God on my life to be a pastor, She knew that I was a teacher and I had continuing contract, job security. I didn't make much money, but I always, unless I really messed up, I would never lose my job. And one day I said, you know, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. I've told this story to some of you, but I'll just conclude with this story this morning for those of you that haven't heard it. Um, And... (laughs) It's it's a it's a it's a great story affirming the call of God on my life. When we started talking about this, and other people started saying, "You should be a pastor and all that," um, Vic, we would pray together, you know. And and one and I'm correct me if I'm getting it wrong, but um, she was praying one time and she prayed out loud. Uh, I had, I was trying to sell this diver's watch that I had really. Nice diver's watch, expensive, and um, couldn't find it, and I was trying to sell it to make a little extra money. I'm always selling stuff and buying stuff, you know, in my white pickup truck. And, um, and, And so she prayed out loud, and I had been looking for weeks for this watch. Dear Lord, if it's your will for Brian to go into ministry, help him find this watch. And, you know... I fervently started searching because I knew that this was the way for her to be convinced. And so I took it under my own power, and my own control, and I searched high and low. I searched everywhere for that watch not to be found. I was getting kind of discouraged. Halloween came and went, and... and, uh, We took all the kids' candy and put it up on top of the refrigerator so they couldn't get into it. A tall person had to get it. And uh, the pastor's daughter, Lydia, came over to babysit our kids. We were going on a date, maybe to see one of those Star Wars movies that was out back then. And um, she said, hey, can can I give the kids any candy? And I said, yeah, sure. And so... Remembering there was candy and I wanted to eat some, I reached up into the the pumpkin on top, the plastic Jack O' Lantern, and I grabbed a sucker, and I picked it up, and attached to that sucker that was disintegrating because it's been there so long was that really heavy, valuable diver's watch, and Vicky started to cry. And she said, you know, last night, I prayed, and I said, okay, God, I just give up. Whatever, if if that's what he wants to do, it's okay, you know, I'm in. And the next day, that watch came out of nowhere, really, out of a pumpkin. (laughs) And and God cemented that very moment. There are other things that happen as well, but... God is good and God is still working now and God is still working today and and he has purpose for you you are unique uh, don't walk away from him don't let the fear run your life say so here am I Lord send me amen let's pray together father God